0: church. I was very excited to be with you this morning. Alas, somewhere on my journeys between the southern United States and Flinttown, I got the COVID. Yay! So it is Saturday night. I'm here at the church all by myself recording this for you. I don't want to be here preaching um, with spittle. Um, I don't want to get anyone sick, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to. I wanted to go downstairs, wear a mask, and come up, but people who were wiser than me told me it was a bad idea. So I'm not going to do that. Let's go ahead and pray, and uh, we will open God's Word together. Let's pray together. Father in Heaven, I thank you so much for this time. For all that are gathered in God's house, for everyone that's at home, um, there seems to be a spike in COVID around the country. I have many friends of mine who are sick right now, um, be with those households who are in quarantine at this moment. Um, Lord, let this message be a help to everyone who hears it. Uh, give me clarity of mind, Lord. You say in your word that is in our weakness you are strong. So Lord, I am weak. I need your strength. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen. The great king awakes from sleep. he awakes from a nightmare. The nightmare troubles him greatly. This great king who at his word a man would be killed or raised up to greatness. This is a man whose life, everything he desires is given to him. And this dream bothers him so much so he calls all the wise men of the of the empire to himself, of the kingdom. Tell me my dream, he said, and no one can. He said, don't just tell me my dream. I want you to tell me what I dreamt and then tell me what it means. They're like, this is impossible. No one, no one can tell you what you dreamt and then tell you what it means. If you tell us what the dream was, we'll hook you up. King Nebuchadnezzar decides to kill all his wise men but Daniel praised the Lord for wisdom. I love the humility of Daniel. He doesn't strut. He doesn't come in and say, stand aside, let me do my, my magic. No, Daniel gets on his face with the Lord and he asks for God's help. This is what we do. I had an old mentor of mine who used to tell me all the time. He'd say, son, don't touch the glory. Daniel did not touch God's glory. For Daniel, all the glory is going to be given to God no matter what happened next. So Daniel comes before the king. Daniel says, bring me before the king. I can answer. I can tell him not only what he dreamt. I can tell him what it means. And this dream in Daniel 2, this dream of Daniel 2 is, is very famous. It reads as follows. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 31. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great image. That image, which was large and extraordinary splendor, was rising up in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. He has a dream, and he's looking at this great statue, and it's huge. Before it, he can't help but be in awe. The head of the image was made of gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and thighs bronze, its legs iron its feet, iron and partly of clay. So the statue that he sees, that he looks at it, he notices different sections of the statue are made from different elements. The head being gold, the chest being silver, the, the waist being bronze, the legs being iron, and the feet are like mingled iron and clay. Daniel says, you continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands. And it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But that stone that took the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That dream would bother me too. The king of this great empire has, he sees this awesome, powerful statue. And he marvels at its its brilliance, its value, because gold is very valuable. And so is the silver and the bronze, or the the silver, the bronze, and the iron. But then there's this little stone, and no one cuts it. Like the the gold has been shaped by a, a smelter's hand. But the stone, it says it's formed, not, it's not cut by human hands. The stone is of a divine nature, not made of human hands. And the stone, this little rock comes over and it crashes into the iron and the clay. And this great, awesome statue, it falls down and breaks into great pieces. And the wind just blows it away like it was never, ever there. Yeah, the king's scared. What does this mean? Is about me, my family, my children. What is this dream about? Verse 36. This was the dream. Now, if I'm the king at this moment, I'm freaking out. How does this Hebrew young man know what I saw in my sleep? Like, Daniel calls out, like, what he was doing, how he was reacting. He calls out how he felt in the dream. What Daniel does here is impossible. Daniel prayed to God for an impossible thing, and God made that impossible thing possible. This was the dream. Now we will say its interpretation before the king. You, O oh king, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men inhabit, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, He has given them into your hand and has made you rule with power over them all. You are the head of gold. I want you to notice something in this first section here. He says Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. But listen to the language he uses. The God of heaven has given you the kingdom. Daniel says very clearly, That authority, power, rulership, the kingdom, the throne, is given by God. Nebuchadnezzar's seat is not an accident. God's hand is on the steering wheel of history, and it's God's intention that Nebuchadnezzar sits on the throne of Babylon. Read the prophets. Read Habakkuk. Habakkuk goes to the Lord and says, Lord, how long will I have to witness evil around me? God says, I'm raising up Babylon. I'm raising up Nebuchadnezzar to come and judge my people for their wicked ways. Listen, the kingdoms of the earth are under God's authority. The kingdoms of the earth are under God's authority. Do you hear me? Nebuchadnezzar's authority is given to him, granted to him. He is stewarding it underneath the Lord's allowance. Which means every king and ruler on this planet, even the evil ones and the bad ones, God is not unaware. God sees. Habakkuk says to God, you're going to raise up Nebuchadnezzar to judge us, and they're more wicked than we are? And God goes, don't you worry, I'll deal with him eventually. God's going to deal with Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Babylon is the head of gold, and in this simple phrase, we find the interpretive lens to understand this entire statue. This statue Nebuchadnezzar sees is a statue explaining to Nebuchadnezzar the next 400 years of human history. Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold. Babylon is this great, wealthy, powerful empire. But guess what? It's going to end. Listen. But after you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. It's silver, remember? Less valuable than the gold. Then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule with power over all the earth. And there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things so... Like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. So what are these next three? So we know that Babylon is the head of gold. He, Daniel says, you are the head of gold, okay? Now here's the deal. The chest. The chest is the metal Persian empire. The Persians come after Nebuchadnezzar's son, maybe his grandson's on the throne. Persia will rise up and rule after Babylon. And they are an inferior kingdom to the Babylonians. The third kingdom, the waste of bronze, this is what he says about it. He says of the third kingdom. He says, this kingdom, which will rule with power over all the earth. You know, this is, most scholars agree, this is the kingdom of Greece. The Greeks. You know, the Alexander the Great, who starts the, the, the Greek Empire, he literally will hunt down Darius and kill him for the Medo Persian Empire and take over his empire, and he'll keep on pushing east. Alexander the Great will get all the way to India. India! Like, it's hard to get to India in a plane nowadays. Alexander walked there with his army, conquering every single people along the way. The torso are the Greeks. Then there's the legs of iron, and they are powerful because iron is powerful. It crushes and shatters all things. And this iron kingdom will break everything it touches in pieces. Most scholars believe this iron kingdom is the kingdom of Rome. Rome is strong. Rome will rule for a few thousand years. How crazy is that? First, it's a republic, then it becomes an empire. Rome. Rome, I mean, we are still influenced by Greece and Rome to this day. We learn from this moment that all these kingdoms of the earth are under the authority of God. He directs these kingdoms. God tells Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, you are great. God has given you all of this, but guess what? Your reign will end, and then it will be one, two, three, four... But these kingdoms are not the point. Some scholars do disagree on if the the waste is Greece or not. That's not the point of the story. There are four kingdoms, and the fifth kingdom is this weird iron mixed with clay. A lot of scholars believe this is the Byzantine Empire, when Rome has been beat down and it's like the eastern half of the empire. The point of the dream isn't the fact that there are kingdoms. We all know there's kingdoms. Even nowadays, there are nations, right? There are nations we fear. There are nations we worry about. As Americans, we worry about Russia. We worry about China. In the last two weeks, we've worried about Israel and Gaza and what does the war over there in the Holy Land mean. We wonder of what these nations, North Korea these nuclear states that have this authority, we wonder about them. There have always been rulers and nations and kingdoms. But something crazy happens. A stone is cut out, not by human hands. A stone comes into existence, and it's not formed by any manipulation. It's not formed through any strategy. It is divinely instituted. No human makes it exist. It comes from God. And this stone appears weak. It's a stone. It's a rock. If you throw a rock at an iron girder, the rock is going to break. But this rock hits the iron and clay, and the whole statue falls over Daniel is telling Nebuchadnezzar a very important truth that we all need to heed this morning. What is the stone not cut with human hands? Well, here's a question. In the days of Rome, when Rome ruled and its power was absolute, did an obscure, not very um, political figure arise? and bring change to an entire kingdom and eventually to the entire world? And I would say, yes, that figure does arise. And that figure, the stone not cut with human hands, is Jesus Christ himself who brings into power the kingdom of God. That's Christ's whole talk, right? Christ's whole time. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Nebuchadnezzar was told all those years ago, Daniel, saw. he knew the dream as well, that the kingdom of God would come, and and even though the kingdom of God, it doesn't fight its wars with sword or shield, with guns or rockets or jets. That's scripture for you. Our hope is not in horses or chariots, or sword or spear, but in the living God. The stone not cut with human hands. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, comes into Rome introducing ideas that have never been heard in the history of mankind, you think this guy would get run over. I mean, I think Gamaliel's a guy who says if this guy's a fool face, it'll just go away. But if God's form, who can stand against him? The Christ comes and his teaching will change the Roman Empire. It'll change and Christ's people will conquer, initially, not through power or by sword, but through loving their neighbors, through taking care of the poor, through sacrifice, through dying with courage. As Latetius so amazingly said in the first century, as Rome killed all the believers, Latetius said, our religion does not grow by killing, but by dying. Not by conquering, but by endurance. This is the kingdom of God. Christ tells us that the world as we know it is upside down. It's, it's inside out. That power is no longer something we use to crush each other. We don't lord it over one another. Instead we serve one another out of love. The last shall be first. We're told that if we lay down our lives, listen, we will gain it. Like Christ says things that are are insane, but those who live by his teaching come to find out it's all true. We find peace. We find identity. We find hope. We find truth. Only at the feet of Jesus Christ, the stone not cut with human hands, and this stone will defeat the kingdoms of the earth. The kingdom of God will overtake and defeat the kingdoms of the earth. Listen, the kingdom of the earth have been trying to destroy the Christian faith for 2,000 years. I think it was Voltaire who said, with my pen, I will send the church to extinction. Guess what? Voltaire is dead, and most of us don't know his name, but every one of us has heard of Jesus, and we know his parables. The kingdom of God Will overcome the kingdoms of this earth. Which means for us, very simply, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. It's so easy to be afraid, isn't it? The war in Gaza, the war in Israel right now, people will ask the question is this prophecy of the end of the world? And people are afraid. <laughs> Listen, if it was, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But Christ did say, you'll hear about wars and rumors of wars. This is not the end. There's been war in the Holy Land all my life. All my mother's life. We need not live in fear. Holding on to our little corner of creation. Defending it with bloodshed. So, like circling up with our tribe. That's not who we are as Christians. We are different. Listen, listen how the, the kingdom of God grows. Listen. How does this kingdom grow? It says, As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. In that you saw the iron mixed with the common clay. They will combine with one another in the seed of men. But they will not cling to one another, even as iron does not combine with clay. And in those days, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will cause a kingdom to rise up. His kingdom will rise up, which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself will stand forever. In what you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will happen in the future so the dream is certain. Its interpretation is trustworthy. How does the kingdom take over the world? Not with sword or gun or force. The This says the kingdom, it says the stone not cut with human hands, the stone crushes all the statue, and the stone becomes a mountain, it grows, and it begins growing until it fills the whole earth. You know how it grows? It grows by us living out the teachings of Jesus in this world we live in, to our neighbors, our family, the people on the highway, our co-workers, the people who have done us wrong in ways that we never, ever want to forgive them. But because our our teacher, our Lord and Master, when crucified, uttered the words, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Because this is the example we've been given. Guess what? We forgive as we've been forgiven. As the prayer says, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the kingdom grows as more people see this light shine. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They will see you living out this Christian life and they will turn to God and they will receive His salvation through the finished work of Christ upon the cross and the kingdom grows. The stone goes into a mountain and the mountain fills the entire earth. Listen. I get scared too. I do. I'm sick, so if I say something crazy, can't hold it against me. I worry about stuff, you know. What about the kids going to college? Can you afford that? The cost of cars is crazy. I worry about what happens when my car blows up, you know. I was looking the cars the other day, the cost of new automobiles, even used ones, are just out of control, aren't they? I worry about stuff, you know? We all worry about stuff. I get scared just like everybody else does. What if the government passes this law or that law and it hurts people I know and love? I do worry about stuff, I, I care. I don't not care. And because I care, I'm an involved citizen. You know what I'm saying? Like locally, I get involved in stuff. I've been to city hall a few times. I cast my vote every stinking election. I care and I act. But even if what I think is right doesn't come to pass, I still trust the Lord that requires me to humble myself and get down low on my face and be like, Lord, you are the stone that breaks the kingdoms of this earth. And even if the politicians in Washington, even if their laws oppress the poor and hurt the weak, you'll deal with them eventually. And he will. He will. What does King Nebuchadnezzar do when he hears all this? Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and said for them to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you have been able to reveal this mystery. And the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made a move of power over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel sought of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, over the administration of the province of Babylon, while Daniel was at the king's court. Nebuchadnezzar, this powerful king, you know what he does? He falls on his face before the Lord. And we're going to learn, the king is not saved in this moment. The king does not come to salvation. He admits that God is powerful and great, but it's not. It's like a, it's a fact it's true here, but not here yet. And you're going to see eventually where God's going to get this king and wake him up. But this is the first step for him. And for a lot of us, we have a lot of steps. Our journey with Jesus, it's not one and done. Often, we have a journey with Jesus over time. Which is why I always say, if you don't believe in Jesus, keep coming back. Ask questions. Keep listening. The king falls on his face. And he's like, God is great. Listen, Jesus is great. Jesus is in control, even now. Even with the geopolitical climate we live in right now, Jesus, the stone not cut with human hands, he rules. He rules. So I encourage you all be not afraid. And give God the praise he deserves. With that said, let us pray pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time, for your word that is true. Lord, forgive me the strength to preach this sermon. I didn't know. You are great. Lord, I know there are a lot of people in our church right now that are facing so much financially, relationally, health, There are people in our church that are facing unbelievable obstacles. Let us be, let's encourage one another. Let us be truly loving to one another. Let us speak words of encouragement to one another. Let us cheer one another on. Let us love one another. Let us listen. Let us care. Let us not just be a place we come and watch a show, let us be a people who look next to us in these pews and give a rip. Help us give a rip about our neighbor, O oh Lord. Your kingdom. It is forever. And it will never end. Yours is the power, the kingdom, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.